So far in Matthew chapter 6, we have studied what our Lord said about charitable deeds and prayer, and he is teaching against prideful ostentation, where we take some deed and engage in it for the attention we seek. His discussion of this in regard to prayer led to some detailed statements about the content of prayer. And we studied what is sometimes called the model prayer in verses 9 through 15. So that takes us to our starting place this time, Matthew 6, verses 16 through 18. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. In these verses, Jesus is saying the same thing about fasting that he said about benevolence and about prayer. In all three cases, benevolence, prayer, and fasting, Jesus teaches against the common practices of ostentatious hypocrisy, urging us to do these things with proper motive and content of heart that is directed toward God, not seeking human praise. To use benevolence, prayer, or fasting as a means to call attention to ourselves and receive the praise of men is wrong. He uses the same kind of language in reference to all three of these practices, to be seen by men that they may have glory from men. Do not be like the hypocrites. They have their reward. It is clear through this teaching here in Matthew 6 that our behavior, our giving, our prayer, our worship, our fasting must never be pressed into the service of feeding our vain glory, but must always be the products of a pure heart directed toward God. Now, in connection with this passage and the mention of fasting, I have a few things to say for us to give some thought to. This is not a subject we are familiar with, not as familiar as we are with giving and praying. So, in the Old Testament, only one fast was specifically commanded, and that was on the Day of Atonement. But there are examples of people fasting on various occasions, not because of any specific mosaic statute or ordinance, but simply as a matter of individual choice in connection with extended periods of prayer, in time of great distress, in grief, when seeking God's will, or under some threat. In the New Testament, we know that Jesus fasted, members of the early church fasted, Paul did. My conclusion is, fasting is a matter of 
individual choice. It is an intensely private matter, never set forth as a collective act of worship, a ceremony or ritual. So there is no argument to be made against this. Individuals may do this according to their own intentions in their spiritual life, but without making a big deal of it. Jesus forbids the ostentatious practice of fasting. Hence, this is a private, individual matter. He said, when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. By the way, it may be interesting to notice how these practices in Matthew 6 are introduced. In verse 2, when you do a charitable deed, not if. In verses 5 and 6, when you pray, not if. And in verse 16, when you fast, not if. In Acts chapter 13 and verse 3 and chapter 14, verse 23, there are groups of brethren who decided to do this. It was not, I believe, a regular part or something like the Lord's Supper. Now the question comes up, are there Christians doing this today? Yes, but you're not going to hear of it because as Jesus' instructions here are followed, individual cases of fasting would not be public. Our Savior's concern is that we do such things toward God because our hearts seek him not because we seek the praise and glory of men. The next part of our study, we continue in Matthew chapter 6, the Sermon on the Mount, with verses 19 through 21. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One manifestation of the deity and wisdom of Jesus is, with only a few words, he could penetrate through to the core of some subject or issue. Jesus knew man. He knew the tendencies, the temptations, and the trials of man. And even today, he knows all about you. There is not anything about you Jesus doesn't know. There is nothing in your mind or life that can be hidden from deity. And so, because of who he is, we ought to listen to what he said. And on this occasion, listen again. 
Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. I believe the first thing we must do with this passage is develop a clear view of these two kinds of treasures, treasures upon earth and treasures in heaven. When we read this passage, the first word that leaps out at us is treasures. Treasures are simply things we value and therefore want to acquire and keep, take care of. Now, let's start with the earth. There are things here on earth we value and want to possess and take good care of. There are some basic things we value and want to possess, such as food, clothing, shelter. We value food, clothing, shelter, and we work from day to day in order to have these necessities. And it is considered normal and wise to buy groceries, uh, not just for today, but for the days ahead. Many of us buy groceries perhaps once a week, so we acquire nutritional treasures for our bodies for today and for the days ahead. Beyond the basics in our age, there are other things we value and want to possess. We want a means of transportation, various methods of communication. There are these things we treasure here on earth. We work to have them and we store them up for future need. Treasures are simply things we value, therefore want to have and take care of while we're here on earth. There are certainly treasures we have here. Now, Jesus says there's a whole other category, far more important, treasures in heaven. He said, Lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. We are all well aware of the treasures we have on earth, the things we value and want to have while we're here. But there is another kind of treasure. Jesus says there are treasures in heaven. There are things which are more valuable than food, clothing, and shelter. There are commodities far more precious than automobiles and houses and electronic devices of communication. Treasures in heaven, blessings from God that are permanent. Blessings from God that are permanent, things we should value and want to have because they come from a gracious God. They bring us close to God. They make us better people, and they prepare us for a happy eternity after death. One way 
to look at this is there are things we need here on earth, things we value and want to have, but what about when this earth is gone? <clears throat> what about after we die? There are things beyond this earth we need to value and want. There are things which will exist after death and after this earth is gone, and those blessings from God are called treasures in heaven, and we access those treasures when we become Christians, and we keep those treasures safe as we continue to live day after day as Christians. The more we think about this, the more obvious it all is. The treasures of earth lie in the realm of places and things and material commodities and worldly values, the tangible and temporal. The treasures of heaven lie in the realm of the spiritual. Forgiveness, fellowship with God, the power of prayer, the development of character and moral excellence, the love of God and brethren, and the hope of heaven. Now, the whole problem that we sometimes have that we call materialism has to do with our fascination with earthly treasure over heavenly treasure. Now, isn't that true? The whole problem when we talk about materialism and worldliness is our fascination with earthly treasure over heavenly treasure. This earthly, worldly perspective was brought home to me several years ago in a congregation I was a member of. It was right after Christmas, I think the Sunday after the holiday, a young man had received from his parents several gifts. They were wealthy people. One gift was a brand new bonded leather Bible, the most expensive King James Version published by Nelson at the time. The other gift was a brand new car. On Sunday morning, he came to the church building for Bible class and worship with his new Bible and his new car. Which one was he most excited about? Which one did he show off in the parking lot? He took all the teenagers out to the parking lot to show them his new car. He did not mention his new Bible. Do you think that young man was the exception to the rule? Do you suppose that we would never react that way? The whole problem that we call materialism and worldliness is this. Our fascination with earthly treasure over heavenly treasure. Now that we have this in some perspective, I want to get right to the Lord's prohibition. Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon the earth. The NIV, the prohib prohibitive nature of this statement is very plain. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth. I think this may be one of those cases where it is necessary to talk about what this doesn't mean. This doesn't mean we must not think about, plan, or save for the future. We are not to worry about the future later in this chapter, 
There is the Lord's statement in verse 34, do not worry about tomorrow. We are not to be distracted from present duty by some preoccupation with the future, but good stewardship and regard for the needs of your family will require some thinking and planning and saving for the future. I don't believe Jesus is telling us to ignore the needs of tomorrow. That would be unwise. In fact, in at least two of the Lord's parables, he commends to us the action of making plans for tomorrow, the parable of the talents and the parable of the unjust steward in Luke 16. Furthermore, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth does not mean we are forbidden to have money or earthly possessions. In fact, in fulfilling our responsibilities to ourselves, our families, our needy brethren to support the Lord's cause, it is necessary to work and to have income and to be a possessor of earthly things. Nowhere in the Bible does God tell us that it's sinful to have income, to have money, to possess earthly things. Nowhere in the Bible will you find a rich man being punished merely because of his wealth. Nor will you find a poor man condemned or commended, I should say, simply because of his destitution. Money is not the problem. Our misuse of it is. Money is not the problem. Our love of it is. So we shouldn't be hindered or confused by these shallow and unjustified conclusions. When the Lord said, do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth, he was not saying that we must not think, plan, or save for the future. He was not forbidding us to have money or possessions or earthly things. The crux of this teaching is captured by the word treasure. You remember what I said earlier. Treasures are simply things we value and therefore want to have. Heavenly things are so much more valuable than earthly treasure. We ought to want heavenly things and labor for heavenly things and treasure heavenly things far more than earthly things. Don't rule out earthly things, but treasure the higher things. I believe that's the point of what the Lord is saying. He isn't saying we shouldn't plan for the future. He isn't saying we shouldn't have money, use money, save money. This is not a statement against a nice house or a car. This is about what's more valuable, what's more important, what lasts longer. What will get you ready to leave the earth? Heavenly things are so much more valuable than earthly treasure. We ought to want heavenly things and labor for heavenly things and treasure heavenly things far more than the earthly things that we have for just a little while. Now look at what he says again. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys 
and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If earthly treasure is the main thing for you, your priority, if money, possession, status, and earthly treasures get most of your attention, time, and energy, Jesus says, you've got a big problem because you're going to be leaving the earth. The treasures of the earth do not last. They are subject to things like moth and rust and the covetous work of thieves who break in and steal. The things of this earth have no permanence, no durability, and we cannot take them with us. Therefore, it makes no sense. It makes no sense to devote your whole heart and life to something that will soon be gone. The better way of life is to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. That means invest your time and energy in what will last that comes from God. Work for money and use money wisely and plan as best you can for you and your family here on earth. But let your main concern be the heavenly treasures which are not subject to decay and cannot be stolen. Thieves can break in and steal your television, your computer, and your credit cards. Hackers can do that. But they cannot take away your character if you want to hold on to it. They cannot remove the love of Christ from your heart if it is firmly embedded and kept there. They cannot take you as hostage out of the kingdom of God. The Lord is saying to us, if your treasures are limited to this earth, I can tell you the whole story of those things in three words, moth, rust, and theft. That's the whole trouble with the things of this world. We can be absolutely certain that someday we will lose them. Earthly treasure, things, persons, places, positions, favors, finances, never do last. They never fully satisfy. God satisfies. He does that through Christ. Has this ever happened to you? You get something you've been craving, and the moment you get it, there is almost immediately some sense of disappointment. For many years, I wanted a pickup truck. Couldn't afford one. It wasn't convenient when our kids were growing up. Then, then one time, after the kids were grown, I got my pickup. I had a crash in my Plymouth, but that's how I got my pickup. And I liked that pickup. It was convenient, but it didn't fulfill the needs of my soul. And I quickly got over the initial excitement, and it became routine. That's the way it is. So many of the earthly treasures we crave and work for and get all excited about are nice, but there's always something lacking if you place those earthly things above heavenly things. Earthly treasures are attractive, but they do not satisfy. They never deliver all that we expect. And besides, there's nothing as fickle 
and temporary as human taste. We get something, and before we have had it very long, our joy in it has begun to dull. And after a while, we've lost all interest in those fluctuating earthly things. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. What do you treasure? What do you value? We should treasure spiritual realities far above any kind of treasure or trinkets here on the earth. Spiritual realities, blessings from God, forgiveness, fellowship with God, the power of prayer, the development of character and moral excellence, the love of God and brethren, the hope of heaven, honoring Christ in all that we do, those are the real treasures, and they cannot be robbed from you. Where is your heart? Thank you for being with us.